0: Well, good morning. My name is Karen Busby. I'm the Caring Ministries Pastor here at Crossman's, and I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. We are right in the middle, kind of on the downslope of our His Name series. So we have been looking at different a different characteristic or attribute of God each week with the hope that the more that we learn about God and who God is in Scripture, the closer we will be able to draw to him and experience those attributes. So, so far we have looked at the Lord as our righteousness, the Lord who sanctifies, the Lord our peace, the Lord who is there, and this morning we are going to look at God as Jehovah Rophi, the Lord who heals. Before we even begin, I want to acknowledge that this may be one of the hardest for us to understand and accept, because while many of us have likely experienced in our own lives and seen in others God's healing power, I'm willing to guess that most of us have also not seen or experienced healing in a way that we had hoped for or imagined, be it for ourselves or for someone we love. What we forget is God has a bigger picture than we do. We may not always understand the plan or the process, but just because he may not heal in the way we would hope and pray for does not mean he is not the Lord who heals. It's important for me to consider that God is Jehovah Rophi, the Lord who heals, and he is our peace and he is our righteousness, and he is there all at the same time. The names of God are unique and that they are not independent of one another, but God can be all of his names and attributes at the same time. So I hope that that helps us as we move forward this, this morning and discuss the Lord who heals. We are reminded from Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, that everything that happened to Israel in the Old Testament is for our admonition, which just means it's for our understanding. It's we're supposed to learn from what they went through. Paul writes, now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Jehovah Rophi comes from a memorable event that took place within the nation of Israel as they were going out of Egypt. So I want to start by giving a little bit of context to where we're going to pick up in scripture this morning. Our main passage comes from Exodus. The Israelites at this point have just escaped the clutches of the Pharaoh in Egypt. In chapter 14, Moses parts the Red Sea. They're then able to cross. And right after that, at the beginning of chapter 15, Moses and the Israelites are lifting praises To God. And I'm going to try hard not to sing this passage because you might know. If you know, you'll know when I start reading it. So we're going to start with uh, Exodus 15, verses 1 through 3. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing it to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. So for 21 verses, they lift their praises to God. They are on a high from their triumphant escape. But then, that all changes. Rather quickly, as they're praising turns into a time of protesting so we're going to move to uh, 15 verses 22 through 24 to start then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur they went three days in the wilderness and found no water when they came to Merah they could not drink the water of Merah because it was bitter therefore it was named Merah and the people grumbled against Moses saying what shall we drink In verse 22, we read that Moses led them out of the wilderness of Shur. Shur means a wall. And I believe that is exactly how the Israelites felt as if they had run into a wall of despair instead of a window of blessing, as they may have first thought when they saw the water. The Israelites have been in the desert for three days. Three days of walking in the desert with no water. Just as quickly as their spirits were lifted with the sights of water in front of them, it was stripped away as they realized it was not drinkable. What was their immediate response? To complain, right? To grumble. It was a very simple phrase. The people grumbled against Moses, but in my mind, I see a little bit of an uprising. They are tired. They're thirsty, probably pretty frustrated and angry at this point. I'm just going to be honest, I drink a lot of water in a day. Elijah and Ryan actually, they didn't say it this morning, but they have often said to me, you know you can't take that jug of water on stage, right? (laughs) It is a big jug that I carry around. I drink a lot of water in a day. This response that they're having, they think about one day in the wilderness, probably pretty difficult. Two days even more difficult. Three days would be completely intolerable, especially for the most vulnerable amongst them. And then they get there, and the thing that they so desperately need is bitter. Imagine the way that that would have crushed their spirits. As an aside, isn't it interesting that the water was called Mara, meaning bitter? The same name that Naomi chose to give herself in the book of Ruth after she experienced such incredible pain and disappointment. Interesting as we talk about the Lord who heals this morning. So back to the story, remember the path that they've walked with Moses and God. They were released from Egypt after hundreds of years of slavery. They crossed the Red Sea and not moments before they reached Mara, they were celebrating God and all he had done for them. How quickly they've forgotten. Their question, what shall we drink, is not coming from a place of trust, but a place of anxiety and fear. They are angry with God, but they take it out on Moses. We do that too, don't we? We take it out on the person that's closest at the time. Anger is like a magnet in search of metal. And at this, in this case, the closest metal was Moses. Although he was not the source of their frustration, he is the one that they took their frustration out on. I have found myself in the Israeli shoes more times than I would really like to admit, where God brings me out of one situation or difficulty, high up on that mountaintop, and then boom, something happens. It could be as simple as a minor inconvenience, or it could be something bigger, like a lost job, or a medical diagnosis, or difficulties within our relationships. We go from praising God to questioning where he is and how he will meet our needs. How quickly we forget. Just a very basic example. At the beginning of this summer, I was so excited and thankful that I would not be teaching summer school for the summer. So excited. I was looking forward to the break and excited for what God was going to do in and through me here in my new role at Crosswinds. So the first week of summer, literally, the first week, I think it was like the third day of summer. I took my car to be looked at. It was making a really loud, funny noise. I was told the repairs would be over $1,300, and I lost my mind a little bit. I immediately became anxious and angry. And when that happens, I cry, and it's just a spiral effect. It's not good. There were a few really rough after- moments that afternoon. And then, I think like two hours later, I was so convicted, so convicted. The Lord has met all of my needs before. He has ordained my steps to get to where I am, and he wasn't going to let me down then. In that moment, though, I was like the Israelites standing at Mara. I'm pretty sure my exact words were, seriously, God, of all the time for this to happen, it's now? As soon as I recognized the feeling of conviction and was able to reframe my thoughts, I felt an overwhelming peace. A bit of a spiritual healing took place that afternoon where God reminded me of his history of faithfulness in my life. I want you to notice with the Israelites that their gratitude turns to griping when the memory of God's faithfulness is somehow forgotten. And in this case, it only took three days for them to land in this ditch of despair. Bitterness can blind us to the promises of God. Now, Moses responds exactly as he should. Instead of protesting, he prays. So, we're going to pick back up in verse 25 through 26. And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. God was testing his people. He wasn't testing them because he didn't know their hearts but because they didn't know their own hearts. Catch that again. He wasn't testing them because they didn't, he didn't know their hearts, but because they didn't know their own hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In the midst of the Israelites' bitterness and hurt, God reveals himself as their healer. So our first point this morning is regardless of our past, our present, or our future, we are in need of the Lord who heals emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Jehovah Rofi has the power to heal emotional hurts and broken hearts. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The word broken means to burst, to break into pieces, to crush or to smash Some of you may be feeling that way this morning. Emotional pain can be overwhelming. Some of you may have incredibly intense hurt that I can't possibly begin to understand. Maybe you've been carrying that around for years. Maybe it just happened yesterday. In the midst of our hurt, we have the ability to cry out to our Jehovah Rophi and ask him to restore us. Like the Israelites in the wilderness, we also need physical healing. The waters of Mara were bitter. It needed to be healed, so to speak, to be brought back to its original intent. Verse 25 said that the Lord showed Moses a log and Moses threw the log into the water. It sounds a little bit crazy, right? He saw a log, he threw it into the water, and suddenly the water is drinkable. Who does that? It only makes sense in the context of who God is and the miracles that he can perform. He followed God's directions and the the water immediately became drinkable again and the Israelites were able to quench their thirst. Some of you maybe here this morning may be experiencing physical pain and discouragement that comes from physical difficulties. Maybe it isn't your own physical condition, but that of a loved one that you are concerned for. Whatever the case may be, when our bodies don't work right, we can feel helpless, frustrated, alone, and scared. It's in those times when we need to remember that we have the ability to pray to our Jehovah Rofi to do his healing work in our lives. Scripture is filled with examples of God's healing touch. In 2 Kings 20, verses 5 through 6, we read that Hezekiah became very sick and was close to death. And as a result of intense intercession by others, he was healed and his life was even extended. It says, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. The Gospels are also chalked full of examples of Jesus healing the physical needs of people. We need to be bold. We need to be unafraid in our prayers for ourselves and for one another. Now, the Israelites' physical need was taken care of when the water was restored. They will, were able to receive the healing their bodies so desperately needed with that drinkable water after their days in the wilderness. But I would argue that there was something even more important that needed to take place, and that is the spiritual healing that needed to take place in their hearts. There continued to be a lack of trust and dependence on God to meet their needs, helping us recognize that need for spiritual healing. Emotional and physical healing are very important, but spiritual healing may be the most important of the three realms. The Lord who heals saw that we were spiritually sick, and he provided a way to healing and wholeness through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. God knew our hearts, and he knew that he needed to intervene for us. Early in his ministry, Jesus got up in the synagogue one day, quoting the book of Isaiah. In Luke 4, 18, it says, "'The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, "'because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor.'" He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Once we are set free spiritually, Jesus can break every other bondage we are under, including addiction, including deep sin patterns in our lives. As I mentioned, Jesus healed plenty of people physically, but the physical healing often was a means to heal a person spiritually. He is far more interested in curing our sin problem than our physical problem. The pervasiveness of sin in our souls was vividly described in Isaiah 1 verses 5 through 6. It says, Well, you, why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. The depravity of sin affects every single part of our lives. The good news, though, comes a few verses later in verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become Like wool. As I said, there are multiple accounts of in the Old Testament of Jehovah Rophi healing. Genesis 20, Abraham prayed and God healed Abimelech and his family. In numbers, Moses prayed and Jehovah healed Miriam. Throughout the entire book of Psalms, David recognized God's healing power in his life when he wasn't upset. Goes back and forth in the Psalms. Think back to the log that Moses threw into the water for a moment and may imagine that log representing Jesus in our lives. Christ is the tree that will remove the bitterness of life's waters. He is the one who will bring spiritual healing to our lives. When the Israelites arrived, the log was already there. It was close by. But the healing could not happen until it was utilized by throwing that log into the bitter water. The same is true for us today. Our second point this morning is that Jehovah Rofi is willing and able to heal, but we must come to him. What keeps us from asking God for his healing power in our lives? Shame? Past disappointment? faith that wavers or a lack of faith questions such as does healing really still happen today we need to be bold in our acknowledgement of who God is and his ability to heal whatever it is that is broken in our lives and as we learn to lean into who God is as we learn to obey the commandments and the statutes that he has given us in scripture we will learn to trust him We will learn to trust his word regardless of our circumstances and regardless of the trials and tests that will arise. God's healing power is just as real today as it was in the Old and the New Testament. But that does not mean that it is always God's will to heal in the way that we might expect or prefer. I think of a three-year-old little boy who died of cancer several years ago his family and his friends fervently prayed for healing over this little boy they prayed bold audacious prayers and god did not answer those prayers the way that they had hoped the little boy lost his battle to cancer shortly before his fourth birthday yet as his family grieves, he was healed He no longer was in pain. His little body no longer needed to fight, but that is not the healing that they had so boldly prayed for. We don't always know why God chooses to answer prayers the way that he does, but we can have confidence that he has a plan that is bigger than we can see. I'll be honest, that's really hard. It's a hard thing to accept, and it's a hard thing to process and to work through, But it is in those times that we need to extend our hearts towards God's healing power even more, even more. I read this following story from an author and a pastor this week named uh, Tony Campolo, and it says this. There was a man in my church who had cancer, and I was asked to pray for him. So I prayed boldly for the man's healing, and that next week received a telephone call from his wife. She said... You prayed for my husband. He had cancer. At first, I thought perhaps the use of he had cancer meant that the cancer was suddenly gone. But she quickly followed followed it up with he died. Campolo felt terrible as she continued, Please don't feel bad. When you saw him, he was filled with anger. He knew he was going to be dead in a very short period of time, and he hated God. He was 58 years old, and he wanted to see his children and his grandchildren grow up. He was angry that this all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and curse God. The more his anger grew towards God, the more miserable he was to everyone around him. It was an awful thing to be in his presence. But... After you prayed for him, a peace had come over him and a joy had erupted inside him. The last three days were the best days of our lives. We sang, we've laughed, we read scripture together, we prayed. They've been wonderful days and I called you to thank you for laying hands on him and praying for healing. He wasn't cured, but he was healed. He wasn't cured, but he was healed. Another example of this in scripture is of Paul in 2nd Corinthians 12 verses 7 through 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ's return, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had a physical problem. He asked the Lord to heal him by removing it, but in this instance— God said no. Paul could have become bitter and angry, but ultimately that wasn't his response, was it? He leaned even further into the power of Christ into his life rather than away. Paul experienced a different type of healing that empowered him to continue to live boldly for the sake of Jesus. I was reminded of an old Natalie Grant song, This week called More Than Anything. And the chorus goes like this. Help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Oh, help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. Paul's life was a testament to not just wanting what God could do for him, but wanting God himself to be glorified through him. I do not have a thorn in my side that you can see, and I'm sure that most of you don't have a thorn in your side that I can see, but I am sure that many of us can relate to false physical discomfort. So I have rheumatoid arthritis, which is an autoimmune disorder, can cause all kinds of issues if untreated. Um, Basically, my immune system attacks itself in can cause all kinds of damage inside and chronic pain. And when I first was diagnosed, I was terrified because I read things online. (laughs) But I am very fortunate. I am on a regimen of medication that helps me day to day continue to live an active lifestyle with minimal impact. There's not been a day since I was diagnosed that I haven't thought about it or the impact that it has on my day-to-day life. I need to think about that. But there also hasn't been a day that I haven't felt God's presence surround me in the midst of the pain and struggle. God has not cured me, but he most certainly has drawn me closer and brought me to a greater awareness of his spirit and power in my life, healing me in a way that perhaps I couldn't have imagined or asked for. The last point today is that we need community. James 5, verses 14 through 16 says, Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. We are not meant to do life alone. Yes, we need to rely on our Jehovah Rofi, the Lord who heals, but we also need to rely on the community of faith that we belong to and the people who surround us to lift us up as well. When we are sick or when we are hurting, we need to rely on those who surround us. As was written in James, we are called to ask others to pray. We are called to live in community. Crosswinds is a big place, and those of us who are on staff don't know every person who comes through these doors on a Sunday morning. And it's really difficult for us to keep up with all that's going on in your individual life lives. I like to say we are only as good as the information that is provided to us, right? We desire to pray. We desire to come along sick, alongside the sick and the hurting, but that's only possible when we know. On our website there's a place where you can submit prayer requests. We have a whole army of people who would love to surround you with love and prayers. If the computer's not your thing, stop by Info Central on on our campus any weekend, and they will gladly write down your prayer request for us. The ladies who work in the church office are so good at what they do, and if you call them, they will immediately get us your prayer requests. Help us surround you in our prayers by letting us know. We're only good at praying for you if we know what's going on, in your life there's also a visitation request uh, form on our website and if you or someone you know from your our church family is in the hospital we have a team of people who want to pray with and for you again you can go to info central you can call the church office and they will get us that information as well utilize the opportunities that we have here so that we can bless you by praying Now, I know for some it may be difficult to know what to say or do when there are others in your midst who are hurting, and I completely get that. Just this past week, I had an opportunity with a friend, and I did not know the right words to say to her. I didn't know what to say, so I sat with her. I listened. I assured her that she was not alone and that she was loved. Many times, that's all they need. That's enough. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion together, and I can't think of a better way to end this message than by doing just that. We can have the boldness and confidence to approach God's throne because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus paid the penalty of our sin and death so that we can continue to live in freedom. Maybe you are here this morning and you are in need of healing be it emotional healing, physical healing, or spiritual healing? As you prepare your heart for communion this morning, would you reach out to your Jehovah Rofi? Would you ask him for his power and healing to be, to be revealed in your life? What if we did that? What if that was our response? Maybe you're here this morning and you're hurting because God did not heal you or someone you care about in the way that you had hoped. Tell him, reach out to him, ask him to reveal himself to you this morning and wait expectantly for him to show up in a big way. Maybe you've never proclaimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Why wait? Take that step of faith this morning, declare him as Lord over your life. No matter where you are this morning, Jehovah Rophi is not far, and he is ready to meet you here this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are our Jehovah Rofi, Lord. You are the Lord who heals. Lord, as difficult as that is to understand, as difficult as it is to wrestle with your healing and the way that that may look different than what we hope or imagine for ourselves or for someone we love, Lord. Help us to rest assured that you are the Lord who heals. Lord, help us to reach out to you. Help us to cling to your word. Lord, in the times that we may feel like we want to push a little bit further away because we don't understand, help us lean that much further in, Lord. Help us to see your hand in our lives. Help us to see your hand in the lives of those who surround us. Lord, we trust in you this morning. Lord, as we celebrate communion today, Lord, would we remember the sacrifice that you made. Lord, by sending Jesus to the cross, that we might be able to live in a life of freedom. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you for being our Jehovah-Rofi, the Lord who heals. Continue to be with us here this morning. In your name, amen.